God bless each one of you today. Thank you, Anthony, for leading that song. Oh, he's not here right now, but anyway. Um, how many of you know what today is? What Sunday? It's Pentecost Sunday. And I thought maybe I should have something other than James, but I'm going to James. But I did want to say something about that. And that song speaks to that. There came a rushing, what does it say? Rushing sound, wind from heaven. And it's talking about the Holy Spirit. What a blessed thing that we have. This is the Holy Spirit to direct us, to guide us. We couldn't function. Jesus said it's not expedient for Him to stay here. And obviously He couldn't have been at all the places the Holy Spirit can be. The Holy Spirit can be in every one of our hearts and everyone and through the whole world that is confess Jesus as their Savior, they can minister to that heart. So what a a wonderful gift that God has sent us, the Holy Spirit, to direct us, to lead us, to encourage us, to help us. Um, it's just a, a tremendous blessing. <clears throat> I want to go back to James chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 12. I know I used verse 12 earlier uh, in the last sermon from here, but I think um, it speaks to the sermon today, the power of temptation, and you could name it a lot of different things, I suppose, in the in regards to temptation, but that's what I'm talking about. And it says here in verse 12, James writes, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Temptation is something that affects all of us. A scene from Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress portrays interpreter bringing Christian to a wall where he finds uh, where fire is blazing from a gate. Great. Uh, a man is trying to douse the fire with water. Then the interpreter shows Christian the other side of the wall where uh, a man is secretly pouring oil on the fire to keep it ablaze. Interpreter says to Pilgrim, you saw the man standing behind the wall to maintain the fire, teaching you that it is hard for the tempted to see how the work of grace is maintained in the soul. Satan tries to quench the faith, but Christ keeps it alive. So true. God wants us to succeed in life. He wants us to su succeed in our walk with Him. And He provides everything that we need. Absolutely everything that we need. His Holy Spirit. 
the one we're rejoicing in today, that He came. He helps us to conquer sin, to overcome. He is our side, helping us at our side, helping us to win the race that is set before us. Each one of us have something that God wants us to do in life. A race especially made for you. Especially made for you to take and be encouraged in and continue to take that race of life and live it, live it out as God would have you to. But the truth is that we have an enemy that is of our soul that would like for us to not succeed. He wants to kill, destroy, uh, to steal away the things that God gives us. And He's ever-present, ever-wanting to, to uh, draw us away from the Savior. In the Australian bush country grows a little plant. It's called sundew. Look it up sometime. It's an interesting plant. And I just run in about it when I was reading it has a slender stem and a tiny round leaves fringed with hair that glisten with bright drops of liquid as delicate as fine dew. Woe to the insect, however, that dares to dance on it. Although it's attractive, cluster of red, white, and pink blossoms are harmless, but the leaves are deadly. The shiny moisture on each of the leaves is sticky and will imprison any bug that touches it. As an insect struggles to free itself of the vibration, uh, the vibration causes the leaf to close over top of that insect and it closes tightly around it. This insect or this innocent looking plant then feeds on this insect. Never knew there's such a thing exists, but uh, apparently it does. I looked it up. It's interesting. <clears throat> but countless people have been wrecked in their lives on jagged reefs of sin, drawn in by temptation's sedu uh, seducive song, Temptation involves all types of sin. It affects all types of people. Parents, grandparents, students, professionals alike are being uh, wooed in to the destruction of temptation uh, by sin's enticement through temptation. We know that many people lay battered and scarred and wrecked by sin. We've seen them, we've heard of them, we've watched it happen, and it grieves our heart. They're floating down, face, face down, as it were, in water, and have made failure through the 
urges of temptation and the power that it has been drawn away through popularity, um, feared off, of course, in their lives. Mostly because they see something that looks like it will produce more in their life than what they currently have. Something better. Something another way. Maybe some of us struggle today to stay on course on Brink's sin grasp. It's there. How can we learn to stay on course? <clears throat> Diedrich Bonhoeffer says it this way, In our members there is a slumbering inclination toward desire which is both and sudden and fierce. With irresistible power, desire seizes masteries over the flesh. All at once a secret smoldering fire is kindled. The flesh burns and it is in flames. It makes no difference whether it's sexual desire or ambitions or vanity or desire for revenge, revenge or love of fame or power of greed of money. Joy in God is being extinguished in us and we seek our own joy in the creature. If you remember in uh, Romans 1, it says that people will uh, worship the creature more than, or the creation more than the creator. And so I think that's where he's coming from. <clears throat> and so... Uh, So, as Diedrich Bonhoeffer says, it comes, we're not expecting it. And so, we all face these kinds of things. Unfortunately, resisting this kind of real temptation that we face will take more than earplugs or blindfolders. I was thinking of horses that have the blindfolders to keep them from seeing something or too much. Earplugs. Yes, it will take more than that. Here in the book of James are important insights and truths about temptation. I'd like to look at those today and think about it, how we can overcome in the face of temptation. Facts about temptation. Um, what do we mean by temptation? The dictionary defines temptation this way, to entice to do wrong by promise of a greater uh, promise of pleasure, and I probably could say greater pleasure or gain. It holds the idea of seduction or alluring into evil or more subtly persuasion. 
Adding to this basic understanding, James here presents us with four facts that we must understand before we can even begin to deal with temptation. And I don't know as I'll hit all four of them, but uh, we will look at some of them. In James chapter 1 here in verse 12, he says, Blessed is the man that endures when he has temptation. Um, verse 13 then says let no man say when he is tempted of God I am tempted of I'm sorry let no man say when he is tempted I am tempted of God for God cannot tempt with evil neither tempteth he any man but I want to go back to verse 12 there it says Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried. It doesn't say if he is tried. I think it's inevitable that we will be tried sometime. When he is tempted, we are all tempted in, in doing wrong. And also, notice... It doesn't say if we are tempted. The moment we are born, we are, are faced with this whole thing that, um, well, we have a lifelong battle with sin. Sin always wants to carry us away. And I want to think about that a little bit more. Being tempted is not sin. Um, even Jesus was tempted, but giving in to temptation is sin. It is wrong. And we are held accountable for our actions and reactions to temptation. Like he says, it's never prompted by God. He doesn't tempt us. He can't do evil. He will not tempt us. Uh, in his commentary on James Curtis Vagan points out that man is naturally inclined to shift the blame from ourselves to God for his moral failures or for any failure. Um, we only need to look back at Adam and Eve when Eve took the fruit. Um, Adam pointed at his wife and he said, the woman that thou gavest me gave me the fruit. He made a choice too. And I had to think of just everyday life. How often, for me, if we have a misunderstanding, and as we get older, we do that more, Marianne and I. Uh, you don't hear right, or you don't, don't comprehend what's being said. And I'd say, well, if you would have said it this way, or if you had a not said this, you know, I'm trying to justify myself. Uh, how often do we go that? If it would have been said this way, or if the person would have done that, we wouldn't have said, well, Adam pointed back at his wife. And so <clears throat> we want to blame something else on our failures. We often do. And so um, we can't point at God 
Adam said, the woman thou gavest me, he was pointing toward God and saying that God was the one that gave him a woman that brought him down. And in every age, you know, all the time, we, we try to cast the burden of guilt off of ourselves onto something else and blame others or God. We don't like the burden on us. <clears throat> In the Greek um, <clears throat> language, there are two different words used for the English words by. Um, trying to see that right now, but uh, James says, by somewhere. Anyway, um, the word by, uh, James chooses in verse 13 um, when he is tempted, uh, tempted of God. Must have been a different translation, but that by, there's two words. It's hupo and which could have indicated that God was not directly responsible for it, for the temptation. Instead, James uses APO, APO, which shows that God cannot even be indirectly involved in temptation. He does not tempt people. Um, <clears throat> Nowhere else in Scripture do we have temptation mapped out for us like James does. I don't think you anywhere else you read the different things. And through 14 and 15 is the crux of James' exclamation on temptation. It says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And I want us to think about that particular thing. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away. That is an important thing to think about. Um Satan has a way of drawing us away from God. Um, I know there's animals that do this, um, and I can't think of which one it is right now, but uh, if something is preying on the young ones, the, the mother will sort of lead the the enemy away from them. Satan works the same way. It says when you're drawn away, he sort of takes you, he does take you away from Christ. Um, your Lord away, it's sort of like he has a skill in dropping bait, which is the first step the bait is dropped, uh, and he lures us away from, from God who promised to do our needs. He gave us everything we need, 
We don't need to follow Satan. We don't need to be, but he lures us away from God. And I'll have a little more to say about that. Um, secondly, our inner desire is attracted by this bait. Now, when I, I did a little more fishing this spring than sometimes, and uh, somebody sort of chuckled at me, and how do you make that? I said, I, I try to make the worm attractive to the fish. And he said, well, how do you do that? I said, well, I leave a little bit of the tail stick down so it can still move. You know, I usually strip it up on the hook, and I leave that tail so it moves. I want it to be attractive to the fish. And that's what Satan does. Sec, sec, secondly, our desire, inner desire, is attracted by the bait. James says it this way, where we're carried away and enticed, implying a subtle persuasion rather than force submission. Bonhoeffer Diedrich Bonhoeffer vividly describes what happens in our heart when our when we our desire is to lunge for that bait. He says at this point, quite, God is quite unreal to us. We lose all reality of own, and only the desire for the pleasure of the fat flesh is real. Satan does not fill us with hatred for God. No, he doesn't make us hate God that we want to walk away from us, but he lures us away. He lures us away from God so that God is not really real to us anymore for a moment. We sort of, we got our mind on that bait. Maybe somebody done us wrong or somebody, you know, it's so many things that you could, it's no use saying all the things. But he lures us away, a forgetfulness, not a hate for God, but a forgetfulness that God is there. So then the lust um, arouses and envelops our mind, and the will of man becomes deep in darkness. You know, we, we just have been lured away from God and the powers of discrimination and of good decision is not there anymore. It is taken from us because we have allowed Satan to lure us away from God. Then thirdly, sin occurs when we yield to temptation. Verse 15, James says, And when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Um, yeah, we've lured away. And Satan was um, can't think of the word I want. Has has given us the bait and has lured us away to where we have taken it. Sin occurs when we yield to temptation. James says it has conceived, it has given birth to sin. Um, and, and you know, when we think about 
the birth of a child. Um, the mother is in labor and all of a sudden it gave birth to that child. And that's exactly what sin does. Temptation, when we yield to sin, it gives birth to sin. It is then sin. Uh, Fourthly, sin results in death. Even though sin sometimes brings a temporary enjoyment, could we say? I think it does. Uh, A period of pleasure or a period of uh, feeling good, whatever, it always leads to death. The fulfillment of our lust, hastily harsh words, looking out for self, being ugly, pushing other people down to raise ourselves, to make us look good, or to use pride, all those things. There's just a whole host of things that we could say. um, Just for our fulfillment. Just for making us better or look better. Um, And I think at this this point, when we then realize that temptation has taken us, we have taken the bait, we're dead, and we know it. We're not at peace with God. We talked about that in our Sunday school. Being at peace with God. At this point, the strained relationship between us and God brings us guilt. We're not at peace. I, I just had to think of, of, of the words of Paul where he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver this soul from death? Who will help me? I'm hopeless. I can't do it. And so he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is a beautiful thing. Sin may overtake us, but Christ is our answer. Christ will bring us relief again. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, yes, temptation has its Steps of following. So how do we get above that? How can we look? And how can we... Verse 16 says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. How can we not forsake the path of truth and follow a lie? That's what we're doing when Satan draws us down and takes us away. We're we're rejecting the truth of God and following a lie that will bring us to a way of death. Let's think about focusing determines a victory. Um, 
I used to think as I, look, I read James 1 that it's sort of changing subjects right at this point. But I don't think he is at all. Uh, verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights and with whom is no variable, neither, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift, every perfect gift, it comes from God. So if we begin to focus on those things, and we had it in our Sunday school lesson today, of the good things that we need to follow, <clears throat> the good gifts, if we begin to focus on that, Here's where they come from. They come from God. They come from the Father of lights in whom there is no variable, neither shadow of turning. Of His own will begat He us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creature. It's when He makes us, when we become born again, we become a new creation in Him. And uh, we begin to focus on that. I thought about getting Annie or my wife to write this on the board, and I, I should have. Uh, we could still do it, probably. Um, it goes like this. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action and reap a habit. Sow a habit and reap a character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. It's so true. It's so true. Uh, it could go either way. It could go on the good side or it can go the way of sin. But if you sow a thought, comes as a thought, you reap an action. If you keep it in there long enough, eventually you'll act on it. And you sow an action, you reap a habit. It becomes a habit. And if you have a habit, you'll reap a character. You begin to have a character of such. And then, if you have that kind of character, it's going to result in either a life in Christ, or it will result and uh, reap a destiny. Either way, even heaven or hell, one or the other. So victory comes through dwelling on these good gifts, these good things that the Father has given us. Uh, he's begat us. He's made us a new creature. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, verse 19, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not righteousness of God. So he goes on to say, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save you, save your souls. So he's instructing us to be swift to hear, slow to speak, we, he wants us to hear the Word of God. He wants us to 
take it in. When we tell, or as for me, when we told our children to do something, they might have heard it, but they didn't really do it. Um, There's a difference. We can hear it. Um, It says, swift to hear, slow to speak. And then goes on to say, slow to wrath. Wrath doesn't work. So then he says in verse 21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive uh, with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save you. I think the picture that we want to get is Satan tries to lure us away. Right? He wants to get us away from God. So if he can get you to not read the Word, if he can get you to not fill your heart with the Word of God, being drawn closer to God all the time, it's a way that Satan can get us away from God, to lure us away. And so, James is trying to tell us that every good gift, all these good things come from God. So let's be quick to hear. Let's make it a part of our life. Lay apart everything that would would cause us to not really hear or not really do the will of God. Because it goes on in verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. It goes on to give us an example because if we uh, be a hearer of the word and not a doer, is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. If we don't do the Word, we can... um, And I guess... um, Well, a part of life that I have struggled with in the past is read the Word of God. I did well at that, maybe. But then my prayer life wasn't what it should be. You see, Satan has all kinds of tactics to draw us away from the Savior. Prayer life is important to us as well as reading the Word of God. We need to read the Word of God to be able to take in what God wants us and to be close to God. That communication of prayer is a part of drawing close to God, staying close to Him. So that Satan can't draw us away from God. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Um, Verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work of find that interesting that he changes that um, hearing the word, not only hearing, but now we're doing the work. It produces a work in our life. And as we have that work in our life, 
and a big way that I think we can do that is sharing our our life in Christ to others. It makes us stronger. It helps us. A doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deeds. Not only a hearer, and we could go back to the uh, parable of the sower where Jesus wants us to be a, a doer of the work. Not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. That will bless us in our walk with Christ. Perfect law of liberty. It liberates us. Then he goes on to bring this example in verse 26. If a man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue but deceiveth his own heart this man's religion is vain i find it interesting that he brings this in i struggle with people that can't bridle their tongue and yet they say they're christians They say they're living for God, and yet they can't bridle their tongue. Um, Four-lettered words come out from their mouth. And I've been guilty. I'll just confess. Bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Pure water and salt water doesn't come out of the same fountain. So he goes on to say, Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. It's a life of purity, a life of sharing uh, the gospel with others. a pure religion that we have and the only way that we can do that is being centered around God laying apart all filthiness all the things that would draw us away from God and as we keep there with God daily we can experience um, a life in Christ and I think we can experience a life that Satan doesn't have near as much um, chance of drawing us away from God, of, of not being who God wants us to be because we're centered in Christ. We're walking with Him. We have a re- a, an ongoing relationship with Him. And we will be tempted. It's not if we will be Let's stand firm in Christ. Shall we have a song?